Recovery Internet Radio, broadcast direct from Straight Up Studios. You're uh, tuning in to our 34th episode, if you can believe that. Hello, everybody. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Let me tell you, if you're looking for the best painter in McHenry County, you've got to call Rose Painting. You call Tom Rose at 815-735-4654. It's fantastic. When you talk about prompt, courteous, and full service, he'll come out and do your job, whether you need interiors or exteriors or whatever you need done. He's super fantastic. They're there all the time. You can reach him anytime, and he'll be there and do the work till he's finished. Let me tell you, call Rose Painting, 815-735-4654, and tell them Arnold sends you. <laughs> and now our host, Mr. Rick Atwater. Woo! Rick! Okay, thank you. Hi, uh, and welcome to Recovery Internet Radio, our show, Straight Stuff on Addictions. Tonight, our tag is Dying to Living, Recovery from the Hell of Heroin Addiction. Thanks for joining us tonight where we are every Sunday night at 8. Thanks to our engineer tonight, Chris A., and our guest, Steve S. Um, You can call the show for questions, comments, or opinion at 323-792-2977. That's our regular call-in number, 323-792-2977, or tweet at Rick Atwater. Also... Did I say that right? Did I do it wrong? Tweet at Rick Atwater, or should I say tweet at at Rick Atwater? I never get that one. Is one at okay? How about you can tweet us at Rick Atwater? Okay. I think they'll get the point either. I'm going to let you say that next week. Anyway, remember to check out recoveryinternetradio.com. That's our website. Recoveryinternetradio.com. Thank you for all our archive shows and recovery resources. Um, and I also want to let you know about a friend of ours, Dr. Tom Franz with Franz Chiropractic. You can reach Dr. Franz at franzchiropractic.com or call him at 815-444-9466. I got a little dyslexic with that number earlier. Best little chiropractor around. Um, and so uh, tonight's guest, Steve S., and our talk about heroin. So let's get down to business. Should we do that? Sounds good. Do it. Okay, that's what we're going to do. So let me ask you this, Steve. Um, what the question is sort of a two-part question. It may sound stupid to you, but I, t- I warned you that I was the moron tonight, and you're the expert. So. Okay, I'll do my, do my best. All right, so what got you started with heroin in particular? And then my second question as a part of that is, why does why do people call it dope? Uh, okay. Um, how I got started with, with, with heroin, um, with dope, uh, it, it really – evolved from living kind of a lifestyle that would set me up to fail and land in that category. I uh, I didn't know I was doing heroin when I began doing heroin. Okay, I, uh, that's a good, that's, that's, that's interesting. So you didn't even know you were doing it. Yeah. No, I thought I was uh, not too far off, but I thought I thought what I was doing was Oxycontins. Uh-huh. So I was familiar with, uh, I was already smoking weed at this time and, and drinking pretty heavily and, uh, you know, messing around with morphine pills and Valium and Vicodins and mm-hmm. 
um, you know, it was on the table at my buddy's house and, you know, someone I trusted and someone I loved, you know, like a brother. And uh, he was like, hey, man, you know, you want some OC? And uh, I had heard Oxy kind of referred to OC before. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, sure, man, you know, let, let me get a bump of that. And, uh, yeah, and I, and I continued to do that for a little while, um, months before I actually found out what it really was. What was... Was he just messing with you, or did he? Did oh, he knew what it was. Yeah, oh, he absolutely. Knew what it was. Yeah. Okay. He knew what it was. He was going to get it. Yeah. And I had a few friends because once I started to get it, um, I thought they were just. And this is pure ignorance on my part. Um, I wasn't the brightest person, still not, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, they he he would scrape powder into the into a little baggie, um, or into whatever. So he just stopped trying to hide it and called it OC, but kept it in the heroin foils or the heroin bags and. Uh, and I was just ignorant. I thought it was just a crushed up pill. I never saw a pill, but I just thought it was a crushed up pill because I wouldn't have any reason to question this guy. Right. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into until. Uh, well, what do you think? I mean, I know, I know, oxycontin's really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I've heard, sure. I've heard like a buck a milligram or somewhere in that neighborhood. You're dead on, Rick. Yeah. Yep. So buck a milligram. Yeah. So if you're doing forties, that's forty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. What is forty? What does what does forty dollars get you? With an oxycontin? Yeah. Uh, you know, not not too not, not too not, much. Not too much. No, no. What's a what's a forty? I mean, yeah, it's like a day like supply or. Yeah, it's basically just the, the the different, you know, whatever milligram pills they make. The strength. So, 40 so is like one. yeah, the forty is is like one of the. I think they make a twenty as well. Um, so there's like three okay. grades of you know strength. Eighties are the biggest. Eight, eight, you want? I wanted the I wanted the eighties. Talking about 80s. <laughs> so if you were looking at that, actually you'd be paying eighty bucks for one for one pill. Pills. Yeah, and heroin um, is much cheaper. Yeah, Mu- okay. much cheaper, much yeah. cheaper, and uh, a little bit more expensive. Now so once I found out what you know, he wasn't charging me those prices, um, but they were definitely more than heroin. So he was definitely ripping me off. Okay, so his motive was money because I was just oh for to, sure. I was just trying to think. Why would somebody? Well, at first that? it was just probably you know here's my buddy I'm going down this road I don't want to go down alone I don't know what the deal was right. I don't know what his motivation behind it was but uh, eventually I if found you'd out. You'd have known. I mean I don't know this question this wasn't one that I had intended to ask but if you'd have known that it was heroin would you have done it anyway? I you know to, to be honest with you I had heard horrible things from heroin. Yeah. I uh, I didn't want to get involved with too heaviest stuff you know. Right. Um, but a week prior, uh, maybe a week or a month prior to that, I had tried smoking crack. Mm-hmm. Um, so my might, first time. Not have, mm-hmm. might not have been, might not have been beyond you to go ahead and do it. Right. I mean, you know. Who whoa, knows? whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Yeah. A lot of people have this idea that if we tell people how dangerous heroin is, that, you know, people won't do it. And and I don't know if that's if that's true. I mean, for me, it. It kind of, I just fell into it, you know, like, like it was an, I didn't go out with the intention of becoming a, a heroin addict. I didn't even, like I said, I didn't know I was even doing heroin. Um, but I mean, you know, I knew drugs were bad from the time I was in fourth, third, fourth grade, you know, and then fifth grade came along. They yeah. taught there. They taught I, you an operation I, snowball I, or whatever. Yeah, I, I actually stood in front of the class and, you know, made a pledge for the rest of my life to never smoke cigarettes, <laughs> which I, you know, break that promise today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I read a speech about how horrible drugs were and how horrible alcohol is and, you know, and, and turned up. So I was very, very much aware um of the consequences that it could provide, but you know, everyone always thinks it's not going to happen to me. It's, and that's that's what I think that's one of the things that really scares people about mm-hmm. 
drugs and drug addiction is just that. Because the only weapon I think that they know, that most people know, is uh, more information. Right. And then, and and that's not that's no protection or little protection, if any protection, right. against drug addiction. Absolutely. And to answer your second question, um, I don't know why they call it dope. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, can, I just still to this day can't figure that one out. I don't know who came up I mean, with I it. I know or... what pipe dope is. Right. No pipe dope. You know, they put the thing on it. They put the pipe together. Uh, pipe dope. I, 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 before, I'll tell you, I branch out first. I don't know what pipe dope is. You don't know what pipe dope <laughs> is? Okay. Well, I know what pipe dope is, but I just don't yeah, well, know. It's a different show. Before I got into heroin, I actually made the wrong the, the mistake with, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in, in heroin at that point, and and I, I was big on weed, and I was selling weed, and someone was like, "Hey, uh, I heard someone talking about dope," and I was like, "Well, well I got some dope, man," and they're like, "Oh, really?" Oh, yeah. And then yeah. I, I'm like, "Yeah," and I showed them this big bag of weed, and they're like, "Oh, that's not what we're talking about, dude." Yeah. And like that was news to me, you know. Well, see, so in the I day, in the day, it, it was right. That dope. dope was weed. Right. right. So. And then it changed. And it's not anymore. <laughs> See, I just hope that you knew. Because I have I no idea why it's called dope. Never figured that out. How you know. it made the transition. Right. I have no idea. All right. Well, what what other? I, there's other names for for heroin that uh, yeah, there um, people call it. Let's see. Smack. That's a big one. Um, in the city, if you you know if if you talk to somebody who's a heroin addict in the city, um, they'll call it blows. 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 Or heroin. Or heroin. Yeah, <laughs> rocks and blows. That's what you'll hear on, in the in the bad parts of town. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there's I don't know hundreds of names for it. You know, um, it, all of them are ridiculous, and I don't know where they come from. You know, to be honest with you. Well, yeah. I know it's almost like uh, it's almost like naming a pet or something. I right. Don't, I, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. So, so how how is it how how did you start using it, and then how is it generally used? Well, I started using it. Like I said, I started snorting it. I didn't know what I was snorting. Yeah. Um, a few months into it, I started waking up sick. Hmm. Um, had no idea why. Mm-hmm. One day, I was really, really sick, and my drug dealer talked me into coming over um, for some reason. Uh, I think it was like I was I owed him money or something, which wasn't wouldn't be too uncommon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I'm just too sick to leave the bed. And he's like, come over, man. And when I got there, he's like, hey, you know, do something. And I was like, no, I'm okay, man. I don't really feel like getting high. And uh, and he was like, come on, man, do something. And I did something, I was fine. So you hadn't made the connection yet between... No, what was going on with my body? No, I didn't, know, I didn't know what was going on with me. I, I, yeah, I got a job and quit the same day because I was so sick. I had no idea what was wrong with me. You just thought you, just thought you were not I just, feeling good. Yeah, I thought I had the flu. I went to the store, I got Campbell's soup and a big bottle of 7-Up, and I was going to lay down on the couch. Geez, I wonder if that was the flu last week that I had. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and and, it, and it's weird, man. But that's that's really how I got into it, and you know, uh, it's generally, you know, I, I snorted it for far longer than I, you know, it was about half and half to be honest. Um, probably all in all, I did four and a half, maybe five years of heroin, mm-hmm. um, and about half of that was was snorting it. Yeah, you know, but you can smoke it. Um, Eventually, I, it led me to, to intravenous drug use, which is shooting it up, and um, you know that's that's one of those things that I was scared of needles, man. Yeah. Terrified. Right. So I was like a walking contradiction. I didn't want to, <laughs> you know. Um, the junkie that's scared of needles. Yeah. Yeah. Terrified. Well, I've heard about that. You know, I mean, I've talked to people that say, well, I could never, I'd never do that because I could never, right, I could never use a needle on myself. 
Mm-hmm. That, and that's not the not the only way you could do it. I kept that attitude for two years before I finally. Yeah. And I'll tell you the truth. Every almost every heroin addict I've ever talked to has told me that they. In the beginning, they didn't like needles, and they said they'd never, they'd never shoot it. That's they'd, they'd snort yeah. it or they'd smoke it. Right. They'd never, they'd never shoot yeah, it. Yeah, last week Chase said he never did it to himself. He had to have somebody yeah, else do it. To him. I had to do that for a long time. I would, I, I would pay somebody to come over and do it. Yeah, I think that's important. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I, would, I would pay. You pay the dollar. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I'd be like, hey, come do this. And then you. And then eventually, one of my buddies wouldn't do it, and I was like, well. I'm not sitting around feeling like this all night. I'm damn sure not snorting it again, and you know. And I bit the bullet, and I hurt myself real bad. And was it in your mind? Was it uh, like less less uh, dangerous if you snorted it? Oh, of course. And that's the delusion I lived under for two years. Yeah. You know, as long as I, as because I was around chaos. You know, I was around these people that were doing it. And I heard about people dying. I heard about people, you know, going to jail and committing all these crimes and and doing all these things. And I was they like, were all oh. IV drug users, right? Of course those, they were, you know. And, and, and those crowd, are the, yeah. those are the junkies, dude. Like, I am nothing like them, you know. <laughs> Never mind the fact that I got you know crazy amounts of everything else going along with the heroin, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, just to get through the day, mm. you know. And I was too busy looking at. Well, at least I was always holding on to that. Well, at least I don't do this. You know, I kept raising that bar for myself. At least I never stole from my mom, which eventually I would, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I at least I never robbed from a store. At least I never, you know, took anything from my friends. And at least I'm a good person. And, like, all these things, I, would, I just keep making excuses on, on like how them. I am I'm different. Like yeah. I'm not like them. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, them gets... Keeps keeps going lower on the scale. <laughs> yeah, until I run out of a list of what I'm not. And then you are one. Of them. <laughs> and then I got to look in the mirror. Surprise. Let me ask you something. What do you think about? I mean, you've heard the term gateway drugs. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and that usually means pot and alcohol. Right. Right. What do you think about the concept of gateway drugs? If there hadn't been, let's just say, if there hadn't been any, no such thing as marijuana, no such thing as alcohol, then you wouldn't have been a drug addict. I. You know what? I don't know that to be true, Rick. I. I'm one of those guys that believes in in the medical term that I, I got the genetic bullet. You know, there's yeah. a long line of alcoholism throughout my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a, there's a couple people in my family who had a who had a drinking problem, and 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 and, and it goes back a, a few generations. And you know, for me, I've seen people never switch drugs and, and always smoke weed for the rest of their life, man. Um, I know one of my buddies, he, he, he's recently married, and, and he drives a truck now, and he smoked weed for 20 years, you know, and he decided that he was going to stop one day, and he stopped one day, and he hasn't even thought about it, you know, and I, for me, my body reacted differently to those gateway drugs. I, I mean, I don't think that that would have stopped me. I, I mean, maybe, but I, I, I always tried it first because it was so easy to get, you know, alcohol, you know, everyone's parents and family drinks, you know, which is why I had my first drink. And uh, and the weed came from my buddy's parents. So, um, but do I know that that led me on? I don't know if it was that or just the way my body was made up. Once that stuff got in my body, you know, it yeah. killed every ounce of fear I had and made me feel whole. So, right. So, um, it did the job. I think if anything would have done that, it would have led me to more of anything. So, yeah. Um, I don't know yeah. necessarily if, if that was a gateway drug, but that... That's just the way my story started. It started with that. Right. Um, but like I said, it, do I believe that that's necessarily 
what causes all of it? No, I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, I ask you that because I kind of have the same feeling that we kind of we tend to in the professional community and in the in the public at large, people hang kind of hang their head on that theory, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I, I kind of feel sometimes like we're barking up the wrong tree. Right. Like if we prevent pot and alcohol use, mm-hmm. that we're gonna we're gonna prevent uh, addiction. addiction. Was, yeah. It, it just doesn't seem. Like that, that works out that way. Right. I mean, to be honest, with you, I was just talking to my family about this recently. Is that I used to have humongous tantrums when I was a child and just mm. humongous anger issues, mm. breaking stuff and yelling and screaming and throwing a fit until I get my way. Mm. Um, I was spoiled rotten. You know, I, was <laughs> <laughs> I haven't broken anything in a while. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> But I mean, really, really, once I got that weed in me and that alcohol in me, I, I you know, I didn't act up like that as much. That took it you know, out for a while, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's maybe that whole concept of. Uh, so I believe there was something know. wrong with me far before I got into alcohol and drugs. Right. And that's where the term self-medication comes right. from, which you know, I mean, to me, that's a little bit dangerous too because it makes it sound like that it 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 helps. Right. Which I guess in the short run it did. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like it makes it sound like a good thing. Like, oh, yeah, wow. he was right. self-medicating. Right. Well, I guess it doesn't really matter if you're self-medicating. That's right. the thing. Right. So, anyway, well, you you mentioned um, something about how you did. You were a little bit of a everything user. Yeah. Oh, by the way, say something. I, I'm sorry about the sarcastic comment. Say something about your about, about your anger today. Oh, I'm not as angry today. I just you know I I, I don't know. I can still get angry, but not not nearly not to the point. Anymore? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing the things I used to do no. back then. No. no, I don't think so. You have yeah. Can we have an audience question? Yeah, sure. Why not? Oh, good. When you said that it took away the fear, mm-hmm. when you would you explain what that feel, what that's like, and what, what I mean, you mean for me, I felt I had it the worst. You know what I mean? I was just, I it was always about me, and I felt like I didn't, I wasn't good enough for anybody. Um, I felt like I didn't fit in. I felt like I couldn't live up to people's expectations enough. I felt like I was always searching for something to be happy. And and this was at a young age, you know. I was suspended several times in grade school for getting in fights, um, you know, because I wanted people to to like me, and and I didn't want to be a you know, back down and be that guy, be that coward. Um, I was just an extremely uncomfortable kid trying to find his way. And uh, and and like I said, when I found alcohol and drugs, it felt like I could be okay for the first time, you know? Does that cover? Does that give what you Yeah. Mean? What's the difference between the feeling with heroin versus alcohol or marijuana? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I just got to a point where... Um, once it it loses its esteem, you know. When I found a pot and, and and booze, it was like, oh my god, this is wonderful. Uh, like, I bet you said it just like that. You know, nothing bad happened. Nobody went to jail that night. Nobody died. All those things were gonna happen, you know, yeah. in the years to come. Right. But nothing happened that day. And uh, you know, I, I I and then I when I found heroin, I was just like completely walking. You know, like I, I don't need to feel anything, oh. happy, joy, anything in between. I'm oh, I'm even. I'm okay. So, mm. yeah, 
down and out. Mm-hmm. Flat line. Yeah, whatever. I don't I don't want to worry about nothing. And that's what. It, that's and then what when it, I went into the world, you know, in, in that kind of mind state, nothing, you know, nothing mattered. You know, I could walk walk and take care of the rest of the day. After I took care of that problem, you know, some other stuff might get done. Uh, you know, I've always played music and stuff like that, so that was still kind of happening at the time when I first got into it. So I would just, after that problem was solved, I could go about my day, or I could play a show, or I could do whatever it is I had to do that day, get more, or whatever <laughs> we had lined up, you know, yeah. usually get more. You know that uh, that Pink Floyd song, Comfortably Numb? Absolutely. Is that about heroin? Uh, I think so. It makes a lot of sense to me. Because that's what I... Yeah, yeah, that's what I get out of it, too. I, get out of it. <laughs> I don't know if that was their intention, but it's... it's uh, that's good, definitely, it's definitely what I feel. Yeah, let me ask one more question. I know this is naive, yeah. but I really don't know anything yeah. about this. Can you actually... Could you go to work on heroin? Yeah, to, to some you extent. Function well? You can function, just not well. I mean, um, it's not like booze where, where you get... Where you get uh, um, sloppy and you, and you uh, you know and, and you and you can't operate things like you're messed up but like I felt like you're in the present you don't forget things uh, like I was very much aware it's just kind of like a mellow <sighs> numbing care. of care. everything of senses of fear of you know everything else and of course I would mix that with weed and it, you know you get the if you're really messed up on it you'd be nodding out you know constantly um, falling asleep. So yeah, I actually fell asleep at work. I was, I'm not going to say where I was working. <laughs> I was working. what you were doing. I was uh, painting, I was grinding this steel thing and I actually nodded out with a grinder in my hand and it, and it sliced my elbow completely open about four or five inches. And uh, it woke me up real quick. I bet it did. So other people couldn't tell. If you walked into a there's some there's some signs that you could that they, that if they were knowledgeable in the field of drug addiction and stuff like I can look across the room at somebody and be like you are high on heroin, um, and and my family probably could now but but at first you what know, about no. the average customer that came in no they no. probably wouldn't notice any difference you know so let me let's let's talk a little bit about well two things. Um, some of the other stuff you used and how that played in and why kind of why heroin became your drug of choice. Okay. Because uh, that's along the same lines. As well, heroin has a way of, you know, making you, it, you know, it made itself be number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, pot, there's obviously with anybody who's got experience with pot knows there's, um, anybody says there's no withdrawals with pot. I can hear somebody now saying that, but there absolutely is. You know, <laughs> the voice, too, um, I think. you know, yeah. the, the, you know, there, there's, there's restless, irritable, and discontent. Sure. You know, um, heroin is like a flu every morning, mm-hmm. so it has to be number one. <laughs> so okay. before I can function, before I can shower without it feeling like I'm ready to die or too nauseous to eat. Um, and I have violent diarrhea and vomiting all over the place. That heroin problem needs to get solved. We need to get that taken care of immediately. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah. drug of choice becomes not not, not so much an issue. Right. Heroin, yeah. decides, that heroin decides that heroin's number one. Out of necessity. Yeah. yeah. So talk about a little bit about. Okay. So you use a lot of other drugs. Did they like kind of fall off along the way? No. I. <laughs> did you just keep it all together? Pot was the constant. Pot was the constant. Um, booze in and out like crazy. Mm-hmm. I uh, 
when, when the drugs and the court would get down on me, it'd be right back to booze, good old reliable booze, you sure. know. Um, Tough to test for, pot's yeah. too, too easy to catch. Yeah, pot's too easy to catch, but I'd screw that one up, too. I'd go, like, three weeks. It'd be, like, the day before my drug test, and I'd boil down and smoke pot, you know, get caught for it, get in trouble. <laughs> well, how would you... How, so let's talk about like a little bit about the progression. So you've got you know so you gave us a little scenario of how you started and then and it was sort of like okay where the heroin started anyway. Yeah. So what else? What, where else? Well, it's, it's pot, booze, um, Vicodin, mm-hmm. morphine, mm-hmm. Uh, ecstasy, mm-hmm. mushrooms, um, LSD, mm-hmm. um, crack, coke. Um, didn't really miss anything. Xanax. Oh, that's Xanax. Okay. Um, anything. Anything. <laughs> the list of what I haven't done is smaller. And how did you get from, because we know that, you know, and we're going to get shortly here, we're going to get to the recovery part of your story. Right. But how did you get from where you where you were, where you described your, your, your initial uses of, of heroin to your the end of the the end of the story for the end of the drug story for you. Uh, so how do I get to the end? How do you um, get to the end? Yeah. Well, uh, on my dad's birthday, um, uh, I got caught uh, after you know trying to get. I had already been in treatment and outpatient a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to stay off, but couldn't just stay stopped. You know. Um, Time after time, I would relapse, and I'd get like a couple weeks, and then I'd be drinking. I'm drinking always. I, when I say relapsed, I'm at heroin. I right. I was convinced that I could still remain on some sort of substance and be okay. The idea of being completely sober disgusted me. I hear that. I hear that from from the heroin guys all the time. You I know, could I, not I, believe sober it. Sober to them means just not using heroin. Yeah, Anything so, else is open game. Fair game, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And, I have uh, a problem with Xanax. So I uh, I continued to try that repetitive cycle for yeah. months and months and months and months. And you months. were one of those guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I I got kicked out of my house on my dad's birthday, um, thanks to my dog, and God. I was uh, on the couch doing something, and I heard a noise, so I hit everything, and it was my dog. So I scared her upstairs, and I reloaded and I was going to finish what I was doing. I heard another noise and I thought it was a dog and it was mom. Hmm. And, uh, and out you go. So I, and at that point I had burned a lot of my friends' bridges, um, you know, stole from many people. Um, and apparently yeah. mom and acid had it with you too. Oh yeah. They were, they were sick of it far before that. They just, you know, they just kept giving me one more time. Just please. Just please. And they were terrified and, to kick me out, you know, because uh, they and didn't want me to end up in the newspaper. Mom, if you're listening, thanks for putting up. <laughs> you know, and, and eventually the best thing that they did for me was say, go, go, yeah. you got to, you got to leave. I'm not going to watch you die. So we're getting close to the bottom at this point. Yeah. And my dad had already accepted my death. Yeah. Um, My friend had. Did he tell you that? Yeah. He told me that after I got sober, you know, yeah. I found out how he really felt. <laughs> Well, yeah. I, you know, I got, he, I got he was beyond more. To talk to, by the way, but yeah. You know, and uh, and can you imagine and, how hard that is? I, I'm not sure you can now. A little bit now because I have experience with an ex. Yeah. Um, prior to that, I thought I understood. You know, we always think we're only hurting ourselves, and it's complete BS. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't swear. (laughs) (laughs) It's complete. You know, it really is complete bullshit. And, uh, you know, the the pain that I put them through, you know, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Absolutely. Absolutely not. So Um, he accepted your death. Yeah, he accepted my death. They kicked me out. I floated around homeless for about three months, um, bouncing. It started off with me sneaking in. Um, through a buddy's window that he was staying at another guy's house. The guy that owned the house wanted nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. So my friend was sneaking me in through his window so I could sleep on the floor mm-hmm. um, where I wake up and go to work. And uh, it was just an everyday battle. Um, I eventually got caught, and he eventually struck some stupid deal where he allowed me to live there. And I'm forever grateful for that because mm-hmm. I never kept up with my end of the deal once. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'd constantly be getting in fist fights and, and he was a heavy drinker, so there was always booze around. And, he, and my buddy was a heroin addict, so there was always heroin around. And, and someone's always up to no good. You know, we're either selling something or sell, pawning items or committing some kind of crime or stealing from the registers at work or, you know, anything to maintain um, that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, one of my closest one of my closest buddies, he got a treatment. Um, and I was right there to be like, hey, let's go get some, you know. And uh, and I eventually talked him into it, but I had left. My other buddy came and grabbed me and took me to a UFC fight, paid my way. Um, I took some Suboxone um, to get me through that day and drank my face off. And he died that night, and I missed his call by 15 minutes. Mm. So I don't know what would have happened. I don't know if it was bad stuff or what, but I missed that call by 15 minutes. Um, so that blew me out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um and then I swore I would never do heroin again. Three days after the service, you know, um, you know, doing it again, mm. you know, and my buddy overdoses in my arms, you know. And passes? Uh, no, he on? actually, we, we actually Run called back. Yeah, we, we gave him CPR and we called the, called the ambulance. And they, they shot him up with the Narcane and uh, he, they he, brought he him back. Yeah. Wow. Not before I could rob him. Yeah. So... After that, he actually was the one that brought me to my first, you know, where I got brought me some good people, brought me to some good, some good people that took care of me. We just lost a young man recently, didn't we? Yeah. The guy who was actually at the end of that story. And so we were in a house when that happened. And he was actually one of the guys in the room with me. Yeah. That helped me save the other guy's life. Yeah. 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 And we've we've lost a few, haven't we? Oh. We've lost, I've lost. Three personally that are close to me within my circle within the last, you know, five months, six months, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, countless others. I can probably count 30 people mm-hmm. within the last three years that I know that have passed on this thing. Yeah, know? I think in this little county alone, we, we lose oh, it's disgusting. 15 to 20 a year yeah. easily, probably mm-hmm. more now. Oh, yeah. It's on the daily. So that was, so. The, that was the end for you. He took you to your first recovery meeting and... And I smoked weed for another week. <laughs> I could not let go. Right. And, uh, and something clicked in me that if I didn't give it an honest shot, I may never get the opportunity to. So I made it. I, I went outside and I prayed on this rock. And I said, if I, March 15th is going to be the day. And if I don't do it, then I, I guess I'll just die that way. But I'm going to try with my damnedest. And, uh, you know, Mar- March 15th of 2008. And I've been sober up and said, I had no idea. When I shot heroin the last time, prior to that guy bringing me to a meeting, and I said, I had no idea it was going to be the last time. No no plans. 
to, you know, I, I mean, I was so miserable. I wrote a letter to God, and I was like, I'm going to die this way to help. Yeah. You know, I had no idea it was really going to be my last time. I had no idea I was going to stop. And you did. You know, by the grace of God, there go I. You know, I, I, I do not know how that, you know, it's a miracle. Well, it's probably a good thing you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, you're also, I want to I want to just give you, uh, you're a musician. Yes. Say, say a little bit about your band. Okay. Well, uh, the band is Red Violent. We've been uh, we've been going since the tail end of 08 in the 09, um, I believe, uh, if my memory suits me correctly. Um, you know, we played countless shows with, with big time acts. We, we, we've, uh, had a trouble maintaining, uh, singers due to recovery problems and other things like that. Um, but we finally, we finally took a long time off on um, this past year, getting everything in, in place. We replaced the drummer, replaced the vocalist. Um, you know, we, we recorded some new stuff. We got tons of new merch out and, uh, you know, finally starting to do what I love again. You know, that was one thing that I, that I had lost, that I loved dearly, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I pawned my guitar so many times, you know, and, I mean, that's like a carpenter's hammer. Like, you don't live without it, and and, and by golly, I didn't give a you fuck. You know it's bad when you pawn the guitar. I didn't give a fuck. I pawned everything yeah. I owned yeah. um, numerous times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to, and I was kicked out of a band where most of the people in that band got signed. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're going up and I'm going down. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so to be in it, to have the opportunity to do that again, um, and, and have some of the experiences I've had, I've you know shared the stage with 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 plenty of well-named musicians, and it's just uh, it's a complete blessing to mm-hmm. be able to do that sober. Right. And uh, at the first time <laughs> we played this little backyard show, our very first show, I think it was like 2009, sometime in there. Um, we just did a backyard show as a warm-up show before we started playing shows with this band and. Uh, my dad gave me a great big hug, and he's like, you know, it's so much better to see you doing this you when do. you're not falling over and when you're not right. a complete train wreck. Now, your next gig, where's your next gig? This Saturday at the Penny Road Pub. We're okay. doing, we're play around 10 o'clock. Um, Chicago Metal Rocks, Corey over at Chicago Metal Rocks. Um, she uh, is taking over the Penny Road Pub on Friday nights, every other Friday, and... Uh, you know, dedicating it to metal and and hard rock acts. So trying to create some kind of scene up here because the music scene's been dead for a while. There's nowhere to play. So we're gonna play. Uh, we're gonna play it. One of your one of your pieces here. You gotta put yeah, it up. Yeah, we're ready to go here. I think. Of, what do we got? Sandstorm here. Sandstorm, yep. Anything you want to say? You want me to just fire it up? No, this is our hit. Um, Enjoy. Uh, You know, let the emails flow on how bad (laughs) it is. But, you know, it's a little heavier than you might be used to. We can get you to to Red Violet. Or or what's your your website? Uh, We actually, you can find us on Reverb Nation slash Official Red Violent or just type that in your your search bar on Facebook. So it doesn't pay anymore to have your own website because everyone's going to stay on Facebook anyway. So (laughs) you can just find us on on Facebook. (laughs) All right, fire it up. There you go. We'll take a quick break. Enjoy Enjoy the music.
you got farmland and you got horses and you got the real deal. I'm just just waiting for the football field to be around here somewhere. I mean, <laughs> you look around, boom, everything's here. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, that's, that's uh, yeah, I appreciate the uh, you know the endorsement of the of the territory here. It's, we we like it here. It's really good, and uh, you know, Steve, I caught your story, and it uh, it really moved me, and. Uh, you know, I don't know what to say, but uh, you've got to be a strong guy because when you start on heroin, you're addicted. And then when you get sober, you're not addicted. And that means you're over it. So you're no longer doing it. And uh, that's what it really boils down to. I mean, once you give it up, you're not doing any of it. Okay. <laughs> John, I thank you for being here tonight, and uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Oh, I also want to introduce your uh, uh, the person that brought you, uh, Tom Franz. Tom Franz brought you and Chris Walken over tonight, didn't he? Yes, and it was a haul. I had to go downtown Chicago and drag these goops. Drag these goops out. My God. Well, thanks for getting them, and I appreciate you bringing them. And you also brought uh, Schwarzenegger tonight too. Well. Uh, he did the ad for us. Yeah, Arnold, did you enjoy it? Absolutely, I did. I'm just going to go up and grab another one of Mo's uh, pieces of cornbread. It was great with the chili. And did you she like made. the Did you like the schnitzel? The schnitzel, great from my hometown, you know, <laughs> Austria. Yes, it was good. Come on, boys, we got to go. All right, just stop pushing. Okay. Right. Right. Thanks for coming, Tom. We appreciate it. Celebrities in the house. Okay, tonight. good heavens, we can't, we can't, we can barely contain ourselves. Right now. <laughs> anyway, um, so back to you, Steve, and and so um, you've been you've been sober now for about almost five years, right? Yeah, coming up for just well, four March, years. March fifteenth. Right, will be five for me. Which so. I that that's actually my day as well. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Different year, same day. That's so awesome. that's cool. Um, when when you started to when you started to get you know, clean up. Were you were you were you sick? Oh yeah, I actually uh, I had some crumbs of Suboxone that I held on to. Um, Say what Suboxone is, because people might not know. Suboxone is supposed to be um, a medicine used to block the opioids in your in your brain, so you won't crave heroin. It's also impossible to get high when you are taking Suboxone. So, um, in the mind of someone like me, it sounds like a miracle drug. Um, because towards the end, I, I, I mean, I tried it repeatedly. I never was prescribed it, but, you know, I had tried it, getting it off the streets. Um, it was really available, and uh, I should have put two and two together. But, you know, drug addicts and junkies will, will sell, will sell their suboxone. Yeah. Follow junkies, you know. Right. Um, so they can get heroin. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it kind of offsets each other, and that's where I was getting it from. Um, and I actually had a few crumbs of that, which which carried me kind of that and some booze and some weed. Um, into my, what would be my last detox. Mm-hmm. So you've been in detox before, and so okay. So you call yourself? Well, do you call yourself an addict, a recovering addict, a uh, recovering actually, junkie? I, I actually go by recovered alcoholic and drug addict. Okay. Yeah. And you use the term recovered. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Say why? Because um, I believe there is hope for everybody. Um, that word, when I heard it for the first time, I uh, I had been in treatment centers and all kinds of stuff before, and I thought bullshit. It's like I've been told I'm going to be sick the rest of my life. Um, and contrary um, to lots of literature within the recovery world that says otherwise, 
Mm-hmm. Um, what I heard in meetings and what I heard in uh, treatment centers is that you're going to be sick. You're always an alcoholic. You're always an addict. You're always going to be sick, 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 sick. Um, and what's in a lot of the literature says God can change your mind and you don't have to think like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be different. You can be different and you don't, yeah. you don't have to crave it every single day. Right. Um which I thought, which I thought was wildly entertaining, and 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 if this could happen for anybody, like they say, then it, then that'd be great. Then that would be awesome. Let's right. do that, please. Right. Um, so, and that was really what drew me in was maybe I can recover. Maybe there is a recovered in my future. Um, and I don't say that to say that I I can go along and drink and use drugs. No, I if I take it, I'm gonna my body's gonna have that same reaction it's always had. Right. To where I'm gonna, I'm, I'm uh, internally, I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. Um, if that stuff gets in my body, I'm off to the races. But uh, the biggest part of of, of addiction um, is before it's even in my body, because I had been through so many detoxes. Yeah. Um, and I could always stop. Were you ever on methadone? I wasn't on methadone. No, I had tried it um, off the streets for like one, and it made me sick, and I like it. Yeah. And it was, it was still high. Just not a high that I liked and enjoyed. Yeah, so why bother? And yeah. That's another one that's like um, they, they would give out at, at, at like a clinic that you yeah. try to be getting off of heroin. They right, they give you methadone. I'm actually very thankful. I've heard some horrible, horrible horror stories about that stuff. About methadone? Yeah. Yeah. No. You know, I, I've had friends that have actually went back to heroin to get off the methadone to begin recovery. Yeah. With the intention of recovery. But I had to step down off the methadone on the heroin again. So there's no like, <laughs> no magic pill that you're gonna take. They're like, okay, suddenly. Suddenly you're okay. I'm well. No, Suboxone works great for detox. Mm-hmm. Um, the first four or five days, um, I I think are very beneficial. Um, I get very upset when I hear eight months, nine months, one year on Suboxone because it's it's this idea that the pill is what's gonna make you safe and content, and uh, I believe it's false hope. And it really aggravates me because I really believed for the longest time that if I just took this pill, I was eventually going to be okay someday. And what would happen is I would forget to take the pill or I'd run out of the pill or something would happen um, to where I didn't want the pill that day. Because the overwhelming urge to use heroin instead of that pill came into my mind before I was able to take that pill. Um, And then i just go do heroin. You know. So the pill, what you're saying is the pill wasn't the, the ultimate answer for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, I haven't found okay. the magic pill. So that kind of gets me to the next question, then what was? It, 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 it was whatever you want to call it. It's God, Mother Nature, Buddha, Allah, Barney. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, a big, big boob woman in the sky named Betty. I don't know. Um, it, it, for me, it was spirituality. Uh, and a, a connection with a creator that's loving. And uh, How did you get to that? Uh, the only way I found it is by working um, the steps, which can be found in any any recovery meeting, um, okay. any 12-step program out there, um, designed to get you connected to a power greater than yourself that's going to remove your problem. Mm-hmm. And my problem was I didn't have the power to say no. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I couldn't say no. It wasn't. It wasn't that I wanted on days where I didn't want to use, I used anyway, because that's what I do. See, people don't understand that most, for the most part, do they? No. That's, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions in the recovery world today, is that if I just don't do it, then I'll be okay. You hear it at meetings. Don't use and go to meetings, or don't do this and do that, and uh, think, through the, think through the drug. And um, 
if I could do that, why do I need a meeting? You know, why do I need a why do I need why do I need to work any steps? Why do I need to do anything if I can just think my way out of it? And I'm not I'm not knocking anybody who says that, but it almost killed me. I went to a couple meetings and they told me just not to do it. I'm like, I understand the go to meetings part. I understand right. that, but I cannot not use. I wake up and the decision's been made. I'm going to use. I looked at my mom in treatment when we heard a woman talk about her son dying. I looked at my mom and I said, Mom, I'm never using again. You can hook me up to every lie detector test in the world and it's going to come back. I was telling the truth. You know, ask Maury, whatever. (laughs) I I was telling the truth. I had tears down my face and I meant it with every fiber of my being. And the day that treatment center opened up, I was high again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the operational definition of addiction. You know, absolutely. Yeah. And there's no there, there so the treatment for you was the the the, the twelve steps and the and the, the movement towards a higher power. And yeah. Something greater than yourself because Absolutely. Because the the Steve you know, the Steve program just, just apparently wasn't. Yeah, I was really good at screwing up my life. Other yeah. than that I didn't do anything consistently. So um, what's your social life like now? What do you that, do? Oh my goodness. Uh you know, I have a great <laughs> job. I'm a <laughs> I'm a salesman, um, which is something I never even thought I would like to do at a construction company where I sell roofs, you know, and I yeah. found my niche there. I'm, I'm pretty awesome at it. Um, not to pat myself on the back, but I, I enjoy what I do. And, you know, I'm able to get people, you know, to to trust me enough to help them put a brand new roof on their, you know, $200,000 home or three whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and we do all kinds of innovations. We, we, we do windows, siding, and doors, and that stuff's awesome. Um, I get a sense of pride when I look at it. Um, you know, so my social life, I, I have tons of friends all over the recovery community, outside of the recovery community. Um, I, my band still plays wherever I go out. I'm not a hobbit. I go out way more now to anywhere than I ever did when I was using. I mean, I used to think that, oh, when I get sober, I'm never, what am I going to do? What am I going to, what am I, I going to, what, to do what am I going to do? Absolutely. Me, you know what I was thinking, because we talked, we had talked about this uh, a little bit before, um, about one of the places that you go to sometimes for some of your social activities called the other side. Yeah, the other side. Yeah, and there's been some ups and downs and some people, you know, some ideas about that that maybe aren't accurate. Right. Um, well, some people out there, you know, they, they have their ideas made made up of what it's all about before they ever... Well, what is it? Just describe what it is. And I know you're on the board, right? Yes. I'm, yeah. a, I'm the vice president over there right now. And what so. what, what is it? It's a, it's a team, it's a sober nightclub, more or less? That's exactly what it is. Um, we're out of our construction company, we, we're general contractors. We have a huge warehouse that was nothing but space. Um, our, our The president actually visited um, Los Angeles where they have a movement over there. And they do this uh, readily, and they they rent out humongous um, dance nightclubs and mm-hmm. throw sober parties. Yeah. Wow. So he went to one of them um, and said, "Hey, I'd like to do this here." Um, I said, "Yeah, okay." You know, <laughs> you're, you're and, and slowly but surely, um, you know, it, it turned into something that was beyond us. And uh, you know, uh, basically, what it is is a sober nightclub. Um, we have we, the the goal is, and, and we're in the process of being reopened. Um, had some, some zoning issues or something. Some zoning issues, yeah. Straightened out. Yeah, we have our uh, we have a um, city council meeting this Tuesday, I think, at 7 p.m. Um, 
where we're going before them, and uh, everything should be in place to get reopened, hopefully this month sometime. Um, but, yeah, the idea is to be open three to four nights a week where we provide a sober, safe, fun place to hang out. You know, we have live music, karaoke, um, you know, and then once a month we were having uh, large dances, mm-hmm. uh, theme parties. We had a toga party. We had an 80s dance. Um, what do you do with, uh, with with people who come in who who you think might be under the influence? Uh, the, the, anybody that comes in there under the influence is um, unfortunately not welcome at our, at our place. Yeah. Um, you know, we understand that we probably wouldn't kick them to the curb without pulling them aside and having having somebody go talk to them and point them in the right direction to someone that's in recovery that can give them a give them a hand if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really discourage it if we find out about it. It's not tolerated. It's our number one thing. We provide a safe and sober place for people to come mm-hmm. and hang out and, and have a good time. You know, mm-hmm. um, people within the recovery community come. People who aren't in the recovery community come. Um, to enjoy a substance-free lifestyle. Um, Let me ask you another question, because this is the one that came up. Smoking hookah. Smoking hookah. Smoking hookah. Let's talk about that, because I had a kid, I talked to a kid, and he told me he was smoking hookah. And I, I didn't, you know, I know what that meant, mm-hmm. you know, in the day. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't, uh, wouldn't have been considered a substance-free activity. Right. Well, I found out about it um, in recovery, actually. I didn't know it was okay to so smoke hookah. So what does it hookah. mean now, and how does that fit in with the, <laughs> the nightclub? Well, um, technically, it's going to be removed from the nightclub because, according to the city, we can't have that going on there. Oh, okay. um, but prior, prior before the zoning issues, we we did have a hookah lounge set up. And basically, what hookah is, it's a large um, water smoking device where they have flavored tobaccos. And uh, basically, it's a uh, I don't know. They used it over in India and it's spiritual, whatever. I don't really get down on it, but we provided one. And uh, so we allowed smoking of tobacco and hookahs mm-hmm. um, in there. And it's gotten a bad rap from some of the people around there. They didn't right, really because like people it. heard the word hookah and then they thought that you... Yeah, that, it's you know, immediately associated. Right, absolutely. Hookah. Not dope. Excuse me. Right. Weed. Yeah, weed. Uh, that's not... Screwed up. Yeah. Not dope. But yeah, so, you know, it, it's only tobacco. Um, yeah. But even that, it's going to be changed and that's going to be removed from our facility. Um and anybody who had heard it was pot or heard it was this or heard it was that, um, you know, we're sorry, but, you know, That's <laughs> come talk to us. It was yeah. never that. Yeah. It was never intended for that to be the the case. And uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad we had an opportunity to clear that one up a little bit. For you know, sure. I've heard, I've heard stuff all over about that. Yeah. I, we, I really think it's a great idea and a good thing. And, you know, so I, I really am in favor and, you know, support it myself and the people I hang with. And right. Myself. And I mean, yeah. you know, a, a, amongst something like this, there's always going to be a lot of ups and downs and learning. When we started this, I told you my attitude towards it was, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You know, um, moving forward, going before the city, having the support from the community and having people show exactly, it shows that this is needed. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of kids that go there and I hear about it all the time. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people I've seen a kid walk into one of our, our events by mistake on his first day of recovery, mm-hmm. you know, and, and didn't even know he wanted it. Didn't even know it was substance free. Um, just happened to be walking by that night on the way to go do whatever, stopped in, seen one person he knew and uh, and never left. Yeah. Know? Let me ask you one. We got, we got time for one more quick question. and It may not be a quick question, but one more question. And that is what uh, and I try. I always. I guess I almost always try to end with this for any guest I have on the show. Um, but what would you say, what what advice would you give to those kids 
out there who are just are maybe just sort of starting to circle the drain with uh, with heroin, and, and also maybe their parents. You well, have a couple of quick things you could say. Sure. You know, uh, if you've started to go down that path, um, obviously things aren't going well to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, Prior to getting into heroin even a little bit, I couldn't tell you that my life was going great or I had all this self-esteem and I thought so many awesome things. Um, but I would tell somebody tell somebody who's going down that road to, to do your research, see where this really leads, and then think of what the opposite of that would look like and then make your choice mm-hmm. on where you want to go. Maybe call you. Or call me, because I'll tell you what, man, when I, when, when I began my drug addiction, I had no idea the, the depths it can take you. And I mean, I've seen stuff that I don't even want to, I don't want to ever remember again. I don't ever want to remember. Um, and that's the hell part of the show. That was the hell part. And on the contrary to that, I never believed life could get so good for somebody like me. Right. And the title of your book was going to be, remember? <laughs> yeah. Hell to Glory, right? Hell to Glory. Hell, yeah. Oh, from Hell to Grace. Hell to Grace, yeah. Yeah. And, I, got the, uh, I got the hell in there, but I didn't get the grace. Yeah, the um, you know, it, it really was. When I started heroin, I thought, my life is empty. There's nothing to live for. This is never going to get any better. Blah, 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 negative. But it did. And, uh, you know, when I began my recovery, I thought the same thing. This is going to be blah, 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 blah. And I'll tell you what, man, if I would have known half, or a quarter of what I knew now, or experienced half of the joy back then, I would have made my choice a lot sooner. Oh, a long time ago. Well, I want to thank you for being a part of this and uh, and giving us your stuff tonight, giving us the story. Absolutely. Thank you. Great information. Great job. Thanks, Also, I want to thank our listeners and our studio audience for making us a successful little underground support source for the recovery community. Uh, we'll email our reminders out next for next week's show. As always, um, we try to look at uh, recovery from a wide and open perspective, so you never know who might show up here and what they might say um, or what I might ask. Remember to check recoveryinternetradio.com for all the archive shows and to sign up for our email reminder list. Remember, too, that we want to hear from you so we know where you are. Where you at? Where you at? Where you coming from? Where you going? As always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you've enjoyed the show. See you at 8 p.m. next Sunday night.